You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 153. For this edition of the podcast, Zach Romano joins me as co-host for a conversation with Gray Tolhurst and Jeremy Roost of the San Francisco post-punk trio Topographies. The band just released a powerful new record called Ideal Form, and despite the circumstances of the year, it's their third release of 2020, as they also released two great EPs called Not My Loneliness But Ours and Difference and Repetition. During our interview, we talked about how the band adapted and modified their sound after losing their original drummer, Tullhurst's approach to lyric writing, what it was like collaborating remotely to write and record their quarantine EP, Not My Loneliness But Ours, and a whole lot more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website, where you can find reviews, playlists, premieres of new music, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. So, hey, here with Gray and Jeremy of Topographies, and we also got my friend Zach Romano here as wonderful co-host. How's everybody doing today? Hey, how are you guys? Doing great. Congrats on the release of your new record, Ideal Form, dropped on December 4th via Funeral Party. Before we get into it, Tell me a little bit about the origins of this project and how it got to its current iteration. I know it was a four-piece, now it's a trio. Take me through the, the history of the project. Uh, Jeremy and I met in 2017. We were playing in a, like another band, like kind of indie folk rock band called Gentle Spirit. And uh, I got this contact is going to play somebody for a short tour out to Tree Fort Festival in Boise, Idaho. And uh, we went out there and you play like, we played like one show. So we had the whole weekend to do whatever we wanted. And we were looking at like lists of what we're gonna see. And Jeremy and I had the closest list. So we ended up hanging out most of the weekend. And then sort of by the end of that, we were like, we should form a band. It should be like a guitar drone noise band. And then we months went on, and then we finally got together. And after about 20 minutes of that, we we're like, "Yeah, we should write some songs. This is not gonna gonna work out." So um, yeah, so then we just started, and we got Justin and and Lauren uh, in on it. And uh, there were people like we knew ish, but we actually got Justin off Craigslist, which is funny. But uh, so then that. You know, we started playing like that and had our first show at the Echoplex down in LA and um, recorded our first single. 
did our first tour at South by Southwest, and afterwards we lost Lauren, our drummer, to New York, to you guys. So, and then we had to figure out how to do it. We either get a new drummer or start a different way, and we decided to take the latter because she was just a very good drummer, and those are rare. So we decided to learn the programming electronic route and see what could come of that. And that's been really exciting. Interesting. So as a drummer, I take mild offense to that, but that that's all right. So that that's actually like a, a happen, like her leaving the band kind of made a, a big difference in the direction that the band ultimately took in the songs that, that we have then, because yeah. the, the electronic drums and drum machine, like that that's a, a lot of the sound. So so what were you doing before that then? And how was, how was pivoting to that? We were looking for our way, I think. Think, you know like it like I think people think the bands kind of arrive like fully formed but actually there's like a lot of indecisive moments even like within something like post-punk shoegaze dream pop etc there's like a million ways you could go and I think a lot of that time was was really exploration and figuring out what we wanted to do and mm -hmm. it just kind of happened that we figured out what we wanted to do right when she decided to to leave so I don't know it was divine timing but yeah it's, it's it's weird to think about because um and and i love drummers don't like i'm not trying to say but but if you're but like a mediocre guitarist is way easier to be i don't know how to explain this no i hear you i i hear you <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely hard to find a good drummer so was that a really yeah challenging process for the three of you to make that transition was it something that took a while for you to be able to readjust and reorient to this new direction that the band was going in or did you find it was natural after you decided we want to go in this direction without a drummer yeah, I, I, as I remember, Atoshis, we had a moment where we kind of fought on the pose, we didn't know where to go. And when we started creating those drums and started producing, as you said, we felt it was really natural. And we made actually uh, a big jump forward together as we were writing a certain way. Uh, I think it's also uh, creative control. You know, and it's just the stuff that we're trying to, to work on drums that we were able to express suddenly by producing them. Uh, it's also about the sound that we finally found. We were like, oh, that's the sound we were looking for for a while. Those snare sounds, uh, those samples, this kick, etc. And it's super dark, icy, and more synth-driven now, for sure. It's a, definitely a very dark and heavy goth influence, but as you were kind of mentioning, there's also dream pop and shoegaze influence as well. And on Ideal Form, definitely a little bit of a, a kraut rock influence in how the synths sound mm. as well. What were you drawing influence and inspiration from sonically on this record? All of the above, really. You know, like, I think some 80s stuff, like uh, Asylum Party, Chameleons, that kind of stuff in New Order. But also, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely a little bit of taking influence from more electronic music, <clears throat> you know, some like dance music and things like that. And sort of the more 
Le- lesser talked about shoegaze bands like Chapter House and uh, yeah, Chapter House is awesome right, right. And, and things like that, and a lot from contemporary bands like people we played with. You know, and I think it's it was like going on the road and, and meeting like uh, people doing a, a similar thing kind of also influenced us to to explore that. You know, and and especially explore the the electronic. The, the melding of like electronic and acoustic sounds as it were you know and so i i don't know i've been seeking out bands that have done that like uh over time you know like different bands that kind of experimented with that collision yeah for sure for sure i mean uh you mentioned new order i definitely like picked up some of that like where the bass takes the lead sometimes yeah. and some of some of the drum triggers kind of sound like like Stephen Morris triggers. Also heard some kind of like, as far as contemporary bands, heard a little bit of like Black Marble in there. Tonally, I, I picked up on like, kind of has the same mood as the the Preoccupations album from like 2018. Yeah, we love all that. So that's our, that's our jam. All very <laughs> good jams. So Gray, I know, well, I know you get asked about this a lot, but your dad is Lull Tallhurst, one of the founding members of uh-huh. The Cure. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah, yeah eventually. <laughs> but sure. I'm just curious about how having him as a, a dad growing up, how that shaped your musical development and taste, um, listening to maybe records in his record collection or hearing from him as far as how you learned and developed your own taste and developed your own style as a songwriter as well. Definitely. I mean, like, okay, so say you're like going through your dad's record collection and he was like, he listened to like the Eagles and Creedence Clearwater and all this stuff. And that's kind of what you grew up on initially. But like, mm-hmm. for me, it was like Joy Division, Can, um, you know, Susie and the Banshees, that kind of stuff. So it kind of like it started me off on like uh like towards loving music in 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 like a more in-depth way but i also it also took a long time to kind of um not dismiss certain things as dad rock because they were like literally things that my dad listened to and played yeah yeah, it's, it's an interesting conundrum when you have like cool parents or kind of in the know parents because they're still your parents yeah. and you don't necessarily want to like dig into exactly who your parents are and be be who your parents are. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess going off from that, like you, you've kind of you're kind of doing a gothy thing right now. But where was there a period where you kind of like decided like no i'm not doing that because he did that or something like that entirely yeah i think that was like up until a couple of years ago really you know it was kind of accidental too i just didn't listen to any of the cure except for what was played on the radio and that was accident right and Mm -hmm. uh i only listened to it like during like the beginning when we sort of started this band you know like three years ago two years ago whatever so um you know i tried to avoid that influence a lot and then i actually think you played me a song jeremy i think you played me a funeral party one day or something and i was like this is good what is this you know <laughs> so and like it was very i don't know so coming at it with like a more mature lens and like less of like this like filial rebellion vibe i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah this is good i like this i probably would have liked this all along if i 
had, didn't have this relationship. So I kind of tossed that aside and decided that maybe I could enjoy it and like maybe I could take something from it as well. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird like existential reckoning with it because um, for sure. Yeah, because you know, like people, so many people are influenced by The Cure and like I can kind of, I can hear it now and I can never hear it before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like when, when you're playing the type of music that you're playing, even if you never heard of The Cure and never knew them, the, the bands that would influence you are influenced by The Cure. So it's kind of like inescapable. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I just, I sort of even avoided playing music for a while to avoid that association, but it kind of just um, didn't avoid me really, I guess. So came back and found you, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so in addition to Ideal Form, you released two other EPs earlier this year. It's a lot of music to release in one year, for sure. There's eight songs on Ideal Form, and there's like four or five songs on each other EP. So it's a good chunk of music. Uh, take us through that process and how the songs on those two EPs kind of became distinct from the songs on Ideal Form. Because it, it you, I guess you could have released this all as one collection but they are kind of spread out a little bit i know one was a quarantine ep that you kind of recorded on lockdown so that's kind of separate but how are how are the three releases distinct and what were the process in recording each of them i don't think we really realized that we put out so much music <laughs> this year like i felt like we were like sort of behind or something i don't know but uh but then yeah actually you, you pointed out jeremy you're like We've actually put out three releases this year. Like, yeah, what? yeah, 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 man. Yeah, but the uh, the first EP, Difference Repetition, we recorded when we were a four piece. So I don't know. That was kind of like the transitionary EP to like what ideal form would is now. You know, so we recorded. We were wanting to get more cold, more kind of like sparse and. And, uh, and, and things like that, but um, it's kind of like midway between, it was like like a teenage EP in a way, you know? So, mm -hmm. and we recorded that up here in San Francisco with Monte Valier, who's done stuff with like Houses of Heaven and Soft Moon. So that was cool. And we did the Quarantine EP, which we did remotely. Oh no, we did the, before that, we, we recorded Ideal Forum last year before quarantine. So we did that with Chris King in LA and it was kind of good to get out of town and do that. That was probably the best recording feeling because it was very, this is very simple to record with them. But then we got bored and didn't know how long the quarantine would last. So we decided to do something during that time when we couldn't meet physically. So I don't know, it's all kind of happenstance, I guess, like in retrospect, maybe it would have been organized a little differently, but what we got so. yeah it's cool it's they're all really good releases was that was that weird for you to put out the quarantine ep before ideal form which was already done and ready to go like when you listen back to it does it sound like hey this quarantine ep actually sounds like it was written afterwards type of thing or do you feel like that kind of fit yeah that's a good, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I really felt that. That's really the progress from what we learned during the album that got into the quarantine EP. So yeah, I think that's definitely the new direction for the next album. Uh, you can see on that EP, and the album is a little further from that. Yeah. Cool. So, kind of going from that, um, 
what what's your your songwriting process like and did it change for ideal form from when you were able to all be in the same room to the quarantine EP where you all, all had to like share ideas across like we transfer or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely like being in the same room is a whole different, it's a whole different kettle of fish, you know? It's like, I think with uh, the quarantine EP, it was, it was kind of cool because we could not think so much about what we, play like not be like oh i'm the guitarist so i'm gonna write a guitar line for this it's like maybe there's not going to be a guitar line you know <laughs> like maybe mm-hmm. i'll play the synth and so it's kind of freeing in a way to work like that but yeah it's also like it's, it's interesting because you can send a file over to someone and then like with the hope that they'll change it around completely you know but, uh, mm-hmm. so i don't know it's a little more solipsistic i feel like Working together just is like makes an alchemy of totally different things that you never expect. Like mm-hmm. I never expect a song that I demo to turn out the same at the end. But with the quarantine EP, it was a little, a little more. You know, there wasn't as much change from the original demos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just slows down the speed of the back and forth so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was also really quick, though. It just took like a few well, weeks. The, the concept of the quarantine EP, which was fun, it's we all had to write a song, um, like do oh, yeah. all the bassline, keyboards, and drums. Like Justin has one, I have one, and Gray has one. And then we we came back and we met and we're like, it's what I have now. Add your voice or add a little bit on stuff. But which each one has our personality. Uh, that's what I thought was really funny. EP. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a great cool. EP, definitely. I wanted to ask you about your lyrics, specifically on difference and repetition. In the blurb on Bandcamp, you cited a Romanian-born Jewish poet, Paul Seelen, as an influence. And I was actually looking up his work, and I was really intrigued by it. So I was curious about what about his work specifically inspired you as far as writing your own lyrics and do you kind of carry that inspiration or did you carry that lyrical inspiration onto ideal form and other songs that you're writing? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm sort of, I studied poetry up here in San Francisco and I guess when I'm writing lyrics, I'm trying to think a little bit like a poet and then I'm trying to think not so much about like starting a narrative, but about like sort of painting an abstract yeah. picture with the words. So, I mean, things I take from Salon, I know it's hard because like his work is about something outside of my experience entirely, but um, like the Holocaust, <clears throat> but like, uh, I guess what, uh, what I was really inspired by in his work was like uh, sort of like abstract surrealism that uh, that happens in you know he's like you can't always tell what he's describing but um it's still very evocative it like it evokes a feeling rather than necessarily object and i guess i wanted to do something sort of similar with lyrics not really tell a story do you like that approach because it allows the listener to kind of interpret them the way that they would want them to be interpretive it leaves it kind of open-ended for whoever's consuming the piece of art yeah exactly that's thank you for 
coming in with the, the saber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I always I, I always think of like poems or songs as like I'd like them to act more like mirrors than than anything else. I want like people to to be able to form their own interpretations. That's more interesting to me than them just receiving my experience interpretation. So that's cool. I didn't know that you're studying poetry and you're you're also a poet. That's really interesting. Do you try to separate writing poetry and writing lyrics for a song? What's your process like then? Do you have finished songs and then you write lyrics or do you write a poem and think, oh, maybe this would fit well with this song, maybe a little bit of everything. What's what's your process like for the for that? Yeah, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think I started writing poems because I was, I like I felt sort of stymied by the capacity of lyrics, and then I started writing lyrics again because I sort of felt sort of stymied by the capacity of poems sometimes, <laughs> you know. So I don't know there. They're separate, but they blend. It's like I don't, I don't generally like take a poem and set that to music, but I might take a line, or a, or a kind of thought from a poem and use it in a lyric. I kind of have like a grab bag of like phrases and little Got snippets, it. yeah. But you can move move stuff around, like pieces together, depending on what you want to do. Yeah, like even our band name Topographies was like from a like. A poem that I wrote, you know, but it's not like a one-to-one type of thing generally. So, how about the the lyrics on Ideal Form? From listening, I really felt like they dealt with detachment and disconnection a lot, and I think those themes and topics really, really pair well with the the dark kind of thudding instrumentation on the record. Yeah, I mean, those are classic kind of like goth themes right um but yeah i mean those are sort of i i don't really know what things are about when writing them i always figured out later like kind of like a it's kind of mystery to me as well you know i i do i compose lyrics mostly you know just kind of i just sing over it until something sounds reasonable and then i go back and edit it so I didn't know that I was feeling <clears throat> alienated or detached or something until I listened to the album at the end. I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe that's how I was feeling during that time. But I mean, I think the pandemic sort of ramified all of that. And I was like, maybe we just felt this way before. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah. And the pandemic just kind of made that clear, like brought that to the surface. So I, I think it's like an appropriate subject matter the time you know yeah absolutely so and the the first single from the record i really like rose of sharon one of the last songs that you wrote from the record and it does sound a little bit Mm -hmm. different i feel like the guitars are a little brighter sounding on that song so i was curious how that song came together and what was it like because it's cool when i hear stories from artists when they or writing a record or recording a record sometimes like the last song they come up with like right before they're going in the studio or right at the end of the session turns out to be this like great great song which this totally is and it good enough that you thought it should be the first single so so what was that like yeah i mean i feel like 
I mean, Jeremy can speak to this too, but I feel like we have a tendency to do that, to like switch up one song at the very end, like right before recording. So I don't know. It's like you, you sit with songs long enough, like during the process of writing and then you're like, okay, these are going to be the songs, definitely going to be the songs. But then of course other ideas like filter in and like your newest song is always your favorite song for the most part. So I think it just came up like that and it just, it just worked out that uh, we got to record it. It was also helpful. We had Chris, um, our engineer, kind of like listen to what we were demoing and help us choose a little bit. Like it's good to have like an outside viewpoint because like what you think is a great song is not necessarily going to register with everyone else. So I can't, I, by the end of like making a record, I don't even know if they're good anymore. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to do something like upbeat because the rest of the record is yeah. sort of so dark. And I wanted like some level of of release release i guess so yeah like a a little um breath before the very end yeah yeah like not to paint it so you know starkly it's like you know there's kind of some way out of feeling despondent feelings as well so yeah zach alluded to it just there but i also thought it was cool because it's it's not the last song on the record it's the next to last song on the record so it's kind of a bit of a reprieve from a dark sounding record, but then it, it, it closes on dark again. Yeah, I, I thought uh, See You As You Fall was, was also a bit brighter, especially at the beginning. But um, yeah, then then um, the, the last track, uh, Wine Dark Sea, it, it, it sounded like it, I, I got like the Cure kind of pornography vibes from it, which is a pretty dark record. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do something like that, like sustain the darkness all, all the way through, just like pummel, pummel people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exhausting. If you have an incredibly dark record, no one's going to make it to the last track. Yeah. So breaking it up a little bit, yeah, I think that's the, the way to go. And I think you did a good job with that. Yeah, totally. And tell me about one of the other singles on the, the record, uh, False Desires. It's uh, the last single. I think it was one of the first ones we wrote as well. That might have been the first one. Yeah. So I don't, I think uh, initially Jeremy left his like RS09, like little string machine at, at the studio. And I was like, I'm going to play this and see if I can write a song on it. And uh, that's kind of like the, the crux of it. But it was, it was basically when we were getting into the initial kind of like push to start programming and using electronic sounds. So it's kind of like our, our first full full on foray into that. So have you guys been in the same room recently? Or are you still kinda like in distance collaboration mode? We got a rehearsal studio again after eight months and we are slowly getting back to to working together, you know, wearing masks, trying to relearn how to play music together. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, it's 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 so weird. Like, um, the rehearsal spaces are are like the the worst possible places you can be during this. So, like, like COVID destroyed my band. Yeah. Like, two of the people, two of the people are out of the city now, yeah. and like, it's just like, do I want to like respond to a <laughs> Craigslist ad uh-huh. and be in a eight by eight room with three people? I don't know. <laughs> like, 
it's, <laughs> it's a it's a, it's a weird situation right now. It's totally fair. Yeah, I never realized how much. Uh, yeah, how like totally dark and dismal they are. But <laughs> we, we really practiced in a room that was like an eight by eight in my basement of my house, and concrete, like kind of gross. And yeah, I can't believe that we were all in there sweating. Yeah. So how have you been adapting as a band to this new unique situation in 2020, especially without shows and gigs? Have you, in addition to the quarantine EP that you recorded earlier this year, have you really immersed yourself in writing new music or have you tried to distance yourself from it a bit too as well? And a quick corollary to that, when's the, the last show you played? And did you kind of have a sense at that point that things might change? Or was it like too far before the whole thing happened? Yeah, it was too, too far before. The last show we played was uh, in February in Oakland. So it started here about the virus, but uh, yeah, we didn't have the feel that was the, the, the end of live music for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we had a tour booked for end of March, I believe, or April. We were yeah. supposed to be to South by Southwest, and we had like a two weeks tour. Right. And the first thing that fell down was South by. And I remember like scratching dates after dates out of my book for all. <laughs> yep. the, and yep. we decided to pretty early to like just cancel everything. And it was a good, a good call. It was sad. It was a good call. There's that moment of like everyone like not canceling and like hanging on to like every individual gig like we're like are you are we still on for san diego and we're like yes definitely <laughs> oh yeah, yeah and then like the next day they're like actually no totally yeah not. so yeah while this was all collapsing tom had a showcase that he was putting together uh, and- yeah i was i was putting together a south by showcase we held out until like that weekend before and then at that point, everything. Yeah, and wh- while they were. Um, when they canceled South by, we were still going <laughs> to uh, do it unofficial. We we're like, we're going to do it. Yeah, wh- while they were canceling it, we, we were at a, a house show in Bushwick, and it turned out that one of the singers in those bands had COVID, and then subsequently, yeah, yeah. like half the people there, including me, ended up whoa. with it. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, whoa. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah, we didn't have such a dramatic break with it. It just kind of fizzled yeah. out. So, but. Well, you guys have been like really productive through it. I, I feel like that's that's not a given for a lot of bands. So that's that's pretty great. We had some. I think you know, like initially, like the the impulse was strong, and then as it like sort of wore on, it's like a little more difficult to kind of make new things and be as gung ho about it. Um, but it's cycling back. I don't know. It's like it's like a wave. So yeah. And you know, I just watched a story on Instagram from Zola Jesus, and she was talk. You know, she was talking during the story, and she was explaining. And she just she was saying like she just went back to the studio after eight months of uh, no creativity at all. Wow. And the fact that you never know what's going to go next, and you try to survive day by day, is a is really a creativity killer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is super hard. hard. I'm sure everyone's on the same 
same page about this one. Like, at least it's not like you're feeling bad because somebody else is going on tour and you're not. It's like, it's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah, at least there's no FOMO. Yeah, there's no FOMO. I'm not, yeah. So. <laughs> the, the, the one very dim silver lining to this. I only have FOMO for New Zealand. That's, that's the only Yeah, me too. Oh, God. Yeah, like the, the Beth's playing to a full house. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So let's play some songs from Ideal Form. We're going to kick off this set of music with Mirror. We're going to follow that up with False Desire, See You As You Fall, and Rose of Sharon. And then we'll be back. We're going to talk records and play some records with Gray and Jeremy of Topographies and, of course, great co-host Zach Romano.
All right, we're back, everyone. We just heard four songs from Topography's awesome, awesome new record, Ideal Form. As we mentioned earlier, it's their third release of the year. We heard great song called Mirror, followed by False Desire, See You As You Fall, and Rose of Sharon. Everybody, if you loved the songs, I know you did, you can get this album via topographies.bandcamp.com and of course also available on all streaming platforms so listen to it highly recommend checking out the Bandcamp. though now topographies picked some records from my record collection and we're gonna play them starting with avlov the song baby alligator off of True, which I believe came out two years ago on Exploding in Sound Records based here in the New York City area. Your list is very big, and it was quite a journey through it. But um, so I went with, I don't know, I really like I really like the sounds of Love Love because it's kind of shoegazy, and it's like kind of like 90s alt rock, but also not and i don't kind of reminds me of like swirlies or something like that but yeah i don't know i just really like this song yeah this is this is really heavy and really sweet as well swirlies is a really apt comparison because i felt like swirlies were that good unison of like shoegaze and 90s alternative indie rock yeah yeah and they 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 come up a lot on this podcast yeah people like the swirlies people like the swirlies next up galaxy 500 tugboat off of today it's funny it was the two-year anniversary of zach and i seeing luna in jersey city new jersey yesterday oh, i got yeah. a facebook memory notification <laughs> but yeah love this record love this song yeah tom i still have your dean wareham biography oh yeah i forgot about that well <laughs> I'm glad you... Did you read it? Yeah, it's I read it, years. but like three years ago now. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually a great book. I really like that one. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff in that book. What's it, what's it called? Like Black Flowers or Black Letters or Postcar- something? Black Postcards or black something? Black Postcards, yeah, that's it, that's it. Well, yeah. It's interesting because I'm a big Feelys fan, and I know the drummer Stan, and... The drummer of the Feelys, Stan, was the original drummer of Luna. And there's like a couple of parts in the memoir where he's like, this guy was controlling my life because he he didn't want to like go on tour or something because he had a family and stuff. But yeah, tell me why you picked uh, t- Tugboat Cray. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just, I love Galaxy 500. I think it's... I actually found out about Galaxy 500 through a book reading, though, because I saw um, Damon speak about his book, The New Analog, or something like that. And uh, I was like, huh, he's in a band, too? Let me listen to it. I was like, oh, this band is fucking great. And then suddenly everyone, I heard everyone else listening to it, and I was like, oh, this band existed all along, and they're amazing. And just like uh, the first time I heard this song, I just had my headphones on like right now and I just got completely lost in the solo of the end. And then reading in that book, I think it's like 
it was totally improvised in the studio with just Kramer just yelling. I forgot he's a big part of that book too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's so simple and just so beautiful. And yeah, it's the first song I heard, so I really loved it. Yeah, he's Dean Warham, super charismatic too, like an incredible songwriter too. Just a natural Mm -hmm. when you think about how these Galaxy 500 records came together it seemed like he was still pretty green as far as a musician and stuff and to write these three records really incredible yeah one thing that i remember from that book is how he talked about how all of those all the galaxy 500 records took like two days in the studio and then like for the lunar records they'd be holed up for like a miserable (laughs) month and nothing would get done that was that was crazy that the difference between yeah. the Luna records and then the Galaxy 500 records and how long the Luna records took to record. Crazy. It's kind of a similar vibe between like Joy Division yeah. and New Order, where they spent like oh, yeah, totally. four months in Ibiza and get nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're somewhere uh, in between that. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the happy medium. That's what you need. You know? Yeah. Next up. Frippin' Eno, Evening, Even Song from Evening Star. Great song, great record as well. Well, this is this is one of my favorite records of all time. I just listen to it pretty regularly, and I just love the guitar work on it. It doesn't feel like any other guitar I've ever heard. And I chose this song because it's the shortest, and I thought that might be Yes, this is the shortest song on the record. There's some long (laughs) songs on that record. Good. I I appreciate that's very considerate. Yeah, don't. Because I I do honor all requests. I remember one time a guest selected the New York Mets record, which has one side is just a song that they wrote for the 1986 team, and the other side is like, the year's highlights as spoken by someone and the guy the guy selected the year's highlights so there's one episode like 120 episodes ago and there's 15 minutes of just 1986 Mets highlights (laughs) 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 so I do honor all requests but I appreciate being considerate like that You're, you're the best yeah I'm thinking for the listeners, you know. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, dive drun off of ocean. Yeah, I think this one relates. You know, we all really love dive and topographies. And again, this is the first song I heard, and I just thought it encapsulates um, this hopeful feeling so well. So I always listen to it when I'm feeling down. So I thought maybe other people would want to hear that as well right now yeah Yeah. it's a solid album yeah Yeah. i mean this record big record when it came out and it's had a lasting impact i feel like as far as this era of big guitar music type of thing as far as shoegaze ish tunes yeah the return of guitar Mm -hmm. music Mm -hmm. that's hell yeah it's here to stay people as long (laughs) as we're here I saw that dude in the security line at JFK and I thought, like, oh, should, should I say something to him? And, nah. But then I, I saw him like eight more times as we walked 
past each other over and over again. Nice. <laughs> Security line. I saw Dive in 2016 at Market Hotel in Brooklyn, and Jesse Camp. Was I there Camp- for that? Jesse Camp was there. I don't think you were there. Jesse Camp, I want to be a VJ, VJ winner, <laughs> was there. So that was pretty cool. That's 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 the highlight here. Yeah. The, the show was awesome, too. It was a great show. All right. And last but not least, Carolyn's Fingers by Cocktoo Twins off of Bluebell Null. Amazing band. Amazing band. My favorite song from them. The guitars are just, I don't know, just the interlocking of the guitars and the vocals and everything on that gives me like a, a total feeling which is which is nice like it just was pushed into the world from beyond and so i really love that song yeah it gives me a total feeling too most of their music does it's just fills a room for sure yeah i think pushed into the world from yeah, beyond was- is a very succinct and accurate summation of their work yeah i was just thinking like oh wouldn't it be wonderful if i could be the cocktail twins and I was like, oh, yeah, it's never going to happen because they're fucking space aliens. Yeah, and basically. So, so thank you. Yes, thank you, Liz Frazier and the two guys in the band. <laughs> 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 All right. So without further ado, we're going to hear Topography's record selections, starting with Baby Alligator by Avlov off of their album True. Tugboat by Galaxy 500 off of their 1987 album today. Even Song by Robert Fripp and Brian Eno off of Evening Star. Drun by Dive off of their 2012 album Ocean. And Carolyn's Fingers by Cocktoo Twins off of Blue Bell Knoll. <laughs> Yeah. 
So, what a great time I had with my wonderful co-host and best friend, Zach Romano. Great time it was. Chatting with Gray and Jeremy of Topographies, their new record, their third release of 2020, Ideal Form. It's out now via Funeral Party. Get it at topographies.bandcamp.com. Everyone, I notice the vinyl is unfortunately sold out. Any repress on the way or anything like that? Or Yes, there will be one. Everyone stay tuned. There, there will be restocked very soon. All right. So, Gray, Jeremy, what, what's next? Are you guys working on the next release? I know you've been busy this year and... Again, you released three, uh, two EPs and an LP this year. So you definitely put out your fair share of work. But are you working on the next album, EP, next batch of songs? Yeah. Yeah, I just started working, go back to the studio a couple weeks ago. And and our goal is to record, go to New York in April 2021. To record uh, something in between uh, cool. EP and an LP, maybe a 12 inch or something. Nice. Well, if you come to Brooklyn, we will get you some beers when you're here. And hopefully, if live right. music is Let's back, we'll go to a gig and we'll, we'll have yeah, a good really time. Yeah, really looking forward to seeing you guys <laughs> play whenever the, whenever the hell that can happen. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to close the show, this episode, with one last song, A Wine Dark Sea. Tell us about this track before we close the show uh, with it. I don't know. I don't, I don't really remember what we were thinking about this track, but uh, I think we wanted to do something a little noisier, kind of end with a little bit of a explosive feeling, you know? So... That's kind of, I don't, I don't remember how it came about at all, but the uh, the title is from um, The Odyssey. This is a phrase I really like in The Odyssey. But um, yeah, this is kind of one of those, let's, let's like end it with a, a real forward push. Awesome. And that's exactly what we're doing for this edition of Look at My Records. And everyone, of course, it's the last song on topography's new record ideal form which you could get topographies.bandcamp.com check it out on all streaming platforms as well zach thank you for being a great co-host and jeremy and gray thanks for being awesome guests yeah thanks for coming on guys yeah thank you thank you guys of course thank you for having us